how are things? This is Mark here, and welcome back to the Clockwork Junkie podcast. As always, thank you for tuning in. You're more than welcome. I have an absolutely fantastic podcast today. My guest is David Diggin. He um he's such an inspiration, and his attitude in life is absolutely incredible. Um, in the very near future, he is heading over to Vienna for a major surgery. Um, we talk about the motorbike accident that he had. We talk extensively about the injuries um, that came from that crash. Um, we talk about why he's going to Vienna um, and what procedures need to be done while he's there. And we also discuss what needs to happen when he comes back, um, other surgeries that need to be done, um, amputation and the fitting of a prosthetic. His attitude is second to none. Um, he really explains himself well on this podcast and the good news I suppose is that I think this might be one of the least amount that I talk in a podcast and that was done on purpose because I wanted to give David a chance to come on he's done news articles and other bits and pieces but I wanted to give him a chance to come on and tell his full story warts and all um, and he does that he explains it really really well he goes into amazing detail about his journey so far um, and he thanks a lot of people who have helped him along the way and um, it's my hope that perhaps maybe we can help him um, with his trip to Vienna he has a GoFundMe and I will leave the link to that in the description it tells you a lot of information and um, you will obviously hear much more information and indeed much more in-depth information um, in the following podcast to come um, the link is in the description. If you can help him out, that would be fantastic. Um, and he's going to update that as time goes on uh, with how the journey is going. And I think maybe we might get him on again um, after in the aftermath of all of this. So look, I want to thank Dave for coming on. I want to thank him for being so honest and so open. I want to thank him for sharing all the stuff that he has shared. He didn't have to share a lot of it. And I want to say it's fantastic to see his attitude and how courageous he is when most of us would have crumbled under the pressure um my name is mark mccormick welcome to the clockwork junkie podcast hey just a quick word before this podcast starts um the audio quality is not exactly as i would like it to be i had some technical difficulties um of course, typically I only realized this after the recording was finished. Um, you can still hear David okay. My voice is a bit low. Uh, it was completely my fault. I'll have a fix for the podcast next week. Thank you. Biggie, welcome to the podcast. Mark, how are you? Thanks. Thank you. How are things, brother? How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. It's uh, good to see you. I haven't seen you in such a long, 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 long time. You've been... Uh, You've been very busy. That's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, we're going to, as I said in the intro there, we're going to touch on an awful lot of things. But before we start, just tell us a bit about your work before um, before the accident. Because it's very, yeah. very interesting. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm 38 now. I was, a, I was a commercial diver previous to the accident. Um, I was a diver since 2008, actually, 11 years ago before the accident. 
Um, I worked everywhere. I was in the Irish Sea, the English Sea, English Channel, North Sea, Bairn Sea, everywhere basically. Um, more so offshore wind farms and stuff. And I was doing inshore civil work here in Ireland and stuff, and uh, England as well. And uh, yeah, it was a job I always wanted to do since I was 12 or 13, since I joined a sabbatical club in Athlone, actually. I was with them for quite a while and kind of carried on from there, really. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, I loved it, really. It was a job I would have done for free, basically. There's not too many people who do that kind of job, um, never mind in Ireland, in the world. You, you were saying you were in the sabbatical club when you were younger. And that was That's all right. And you just knew from, but where did you go to train to be able to do that? It must have taken a bit of time, did it? It did, of course, yeah. When I I, I, I moved in at Clone when I was 10. I'm originally from Moat, and I moved in at Clone when I was 10. And uh, about 12 or 13, I started in the, they had, um, they had I suppose, an opening in the uh, in the swimming pool in Clone during the winter. And then in the summertime, at the time, they had the old uh, Tynamara ship, uh, the Tynamara barge, sorry. It's underneath, the, it was underneath the White Bridge down there. I think it's still there, actually. Uh, I've done a couple of lessons or a couple of, um, yeah, a couple of lessons in there, I suppose, really. And then they were building the new clubhouse at the time there and uh, kind of went from there, really. And uh, I was with them for quite a while. And uh, yeah, that was a pretty good sport. Um, yeah, I was with them, I think, around, I was full on constantly with them, 19, 20 years of age. Then I was kind of in and out for a bit, really. And uh, I started my commercial diving career and, uh, when I was 24. And um, I went over to Durban in South Africa to do the uh, to do the course over there. I worked out cheaper over there. And in my opinion, it was actually better school as well. Um, I kind of had the uh, the up the upper hand really because I was actually I was working for a commercial diver before that. Um, a friend of mine rang me. Um, they were looking for someone to go and help an out scuba diver, let's say, a scuba diver just to go and help with equipment and stuff. There was lifting um, an old Guinness badge out of a lake in uh, in Oxford in, in England. And I went over and, and I, I, I can remember the two lads I went with and uh, I, I was in awe. I knew this is what I wanted to do, basically, you know. And I was lucky because uh, when, when when we finished up there, we did get the, we, we did get the badge lifted. Uh, we got it home as well. Uh, the Guinness for yourself, yeah? <laughs> I was at the bottom of, of this man-made lake in Oxford so there was nothing really in it only plenty of holes but um, yeah so we got it up and then uh, we went to of course I was dreaming and dreaming and dreaming of this commercial diving basically you know and uh, all of a sudden the guy rang me that uh, that, that was looking for a, so a helper over there and he says look David he says uh, I have my own commercial diving company would you like to come and do a bit of tending and see what it's really about so I did. And I went down to Castletown Bear in uh, Cork. Uh, I was down there, I think, for about a year and a half, two years before I went over to South Africa. And I'd have to thank your man that, uh, that I was working for because he uh, he helped to fund me. You know, he gave me a loan and everything else, but there was no money back then, really, you know. And uh, that was about 2006, 2007. And um, so, yeah, I went over and done the course. And like I was saying, I, I, I was doing a small bit of commercial diving before beforehand or so I thought it was anyway so I had the upper hand really and then when I went to the school I knew it was a good school because I knew the equipment was very good and well looked after really you know and now I couldn't compare to other schools I haven't been to other schools but I've heard about them basically but um yeah I went over to Durban in South Africa I spent three and a half months over there diving 
learning how to dive really and uh, that was that was quite the experience actually on the pacific ocean basically and uh yeah i done a lot of courses over there i had to do my my the diving courses and then the uh the first aid courses and the offshore survival courses there just to get you out to sea basically i, I remember was, uh, very envious of someone who knew or knows from an early age what they want to do um it's uh, a, <clears throat> it's 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 a great thing to be able to realize when you're young. This is what I want to do, and it's probably even a better thing to go and do the fucking thing, you know. Yeah, um, I, I I I I can remember just just uh, <coughs> sorry, um, of course, being a young lad, sure, I, no one really liked school, I suppose, but I certainly didn't, anyways. Um, but I left in them. Um, I left at the start of fifth year to go and work, and now my parents weren't happy, of course. But I went to go and work in the pub in Aklone called Carty's Bar. And the reason I did was so I could save up money to buy my own scuba gear, really, you know. So I I can't really knock that because I got a really good career out of it and something that I love doing. Um, now, after the injury, it might be a little bit different. I wish I had done the leaving cert, but I can always go back and do it some sort of education, yeah. really, you know. And we'll just get on to the accident in a second, but I have one question about the diving. Just um, yeah. And I'm sure most people listening to this are thinking the same thing. Like it must be super, super dangerous. It's not if you love it. It's not if you love it. As you have to be a certain type of person. You have to be calm under pressure, man. You can't. Well, yeah, I, I, I would say it's definitely a certain type of person. <clears throat> I kind of proved that really. Most, of the, most of the lads I work with were, they were all came from a, a, an extreme background. They were like in the navy, or they were. There were there were ex marines over the UK and stuff. There was four or five of them actually were were marines and stuff, and they uh, they kind of came from like a I suppose a toughen background. That's I you know they were like kind of brought up through the school of hard knocks, that training and everything. Yeah, but uh, look, obviously you were tough enough to be able to do all that, but you needed there for what was to follow. So look, we'll just we'll just talk about the accident. So I'm not yeah. even sure what year it was in. So just tell me how long ago it was. And yeah, what exactly happened? Um, it was a motorbike accident, right? It was, it was. Yeah, I had um a Kawasaki Z one thousand, the uh, third generation, two thousand and three, lovely model, <coughs> naked bike. Um, yeah, so I had to crash sixth uh, of May two thousand nineteen, the bank holiday weekend. Uh, it was the Monday. Um, I was due to go back offshore that same Friday, and now I was off. I was I had taken the break from offshore because. My own dad had a stroke and um, he was coming around and stuff. He's, he's, he's pretty good now, thank God. But at the time, I didn't really want to be offshore in case something had happened because you could be two or three weeks waiting to get in and God forbid the man would be buried before he even got home, you know. Yeah. So I was here, I was working for a, um, a, steel, a steel fabrication place in Motor and um, it was another hobby of mine anyways, kind of working with steel. So I was with him for a couple of years and it was a really good job, really learned quite a bit, really, you know. Um, yeah, uh, so anyways, yeah, I uh, had to crash the Monday. I never got to go offshore. Uh, that's yeah. right, unfortunately. Which, uh, um, yeah, so the 6th of May, I had to crash. Uh, I don't remember any of it. Um, you'll understand why when I tell you all the injuries and stuff and everything else here. But, was um, it a, a sleeper? Was there someone else involved, or was there a bump? No, um, it wasn't. From what I've been told, um, I crashed into a pad truck on the motorway here from Athlone, from between Moat and Athlone. Wow. 
Yeah, yeah. And there was an old cattle truck. Now, I can't say that I didn't see it or did see it because uh, I don't remember any of it. But um, from what I've heard, there was an old truck. Now, that's not to say I shouldn't have seen it, you know, but... Uh, yeah, I crashed into the back of that. Um, funny enough, to see the bike after, um, to see the bike, you wouldn't even think the bike was in the crash. Really, you know. Okay. Uh, funny enough, um, I don't know if I can say this and this. If I can, if I can't, you can uh, edit it out. But uh, that's firefighter Pa Berry. If it wasn't for him, or uh, on that night when they were called out, they didn't know who owned the bike, basically. I was wherever I was. Uh, and the bike was all over the road. Um, it was it was, it was, was Patrick himself that seen the bike. <clears throat> that's that's David Eigen. That's Diggy Eigen's bike, like I know him. That's who it is, really, you know. And uh, it was nice to get chat to him after that to see what kind of condition I was in, basically. Now, it wasn't a good condition, but I was I was conscious, at least anyways, and roaring and shouting and all that kind of carry on. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll, we'll definitely leave that in. That's, um, he was actually on the podcast himself for a chat. That's um, right. Yeah, yeah. Top man. Yeah. Top yeah. man. Oh, he is. And He's A1. He's A1. Yeah, He's a really good guy. So, yeah, another lucky man. Yeah, one, 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, um, so I know there's a long list of injuries from a fucking just talk about what injuries you had after the crash and you can take your time on this just tell us exactly what happened and obviously there's some more serious than others but just tell us about the injuries you had afterwards yeah okay um, <clears throat> all as I know is I woke up in the hospital um I would have been six to eight weeks from when I can remember after the accident. That's when I kind of was coming to in Tullamore Hospital over there. Uh, I was three months in Tullamore Hospital. Um, I presume when I went in first, um, I had a 16-hour surgery to put a plate into my onto the humerus bone here that was completely smashed to bits with a six, six seven breaks in it from the fracture. Um, yeah, so I was three three months in Tullamore, 16 hours uh, on that surgery. Then I was six weeks in the uh, intubated c- coma. Um, I had a Miami brace uh, for three months on, actually. I couldn't shower for the three months, actually. I remember the second last day before I got out, I was allowed to shower, and it was, it was actually like winning the lotto, to be honest. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's funny. Uh, anyways, uh, the injuries, the injuries I I've had, I suppose, starting the smallest. Uh, the my lost my baby finger that was severed. Um, I didn't realize that until about a month and a half into the hospital after I walk came around because I was always in the sling and the sling was always here, so I couldn't really see it. Um, anyways, yeah, it's, um, three fingers were broken. That same left hand. Uh, I had um, glenoid fracture. The glenoid is what holds, is the socket that holds your arm onto your onto your body, really. Uh, scapular fractures. That's the like the triangular <coughs> the back, basically. The, that was fractured. Um, my right hand, all the fingers were fractured. That was obviously from holding on to the the other handlebar. Um, yeah, there's a plate holding the six breaks. I mentioned that here. Uh, pulmonary pulmonary contusions. That's bruising of the lungs, basically. So that's obviously when I crashed. The you know everything went forward in my body, I suppose. Um, broken clavicle or collarbone, whichever way you want to say it. Um, I had a brain injury as well. Uh, plus uh, subdural collections, and that means bleeding outside the brain. So, uh, to my knowledge, the brain injury must have been bleeding inside and on the outside as well. 
Um, I had spine fractures of C6 and C7, so I broke the neck twice. Now, the problem with that was that led to narrowing of the uh, narrowing of the throat, preventing epiglottic flexion, so swallowing, I couldn't swallow. So I dropped down to six and a half stone because of that, and it took a long, long time to come back up to that. Uh, uh, the biggest injury then, of course, is obviously the arm. That was a, a profound brachial plexus injury. That's the nerve roots. Uh, they're about here. C5, C6, C7, C8, and T1. It's like the wire that controls every muscle in your arm, basically. So they were all kind of, uh, they were all plucked out, basically, uh, a volt, they call, they call it. Bar C5 and C6, that was ruptured. So what that means is just a, a thin thread hanging on. And it's in a way, it's a pity because it brings all the pain. Now, if I hadn't got that, I would have had phantom pain for a bit, which I would have anyways, due to the, the nerve root avulsion, basically. Um, yeah, so to the do avulsion in the parts of the arm, to the do. Yeah, that was uh, that was my injuries basically over there, Mark. That's uh, <clears throat> that's some list that you caught me pain. Yeah, it is. Well, look. Friends of mine say, Davey, when you do it, you don't do it in halves, I suppose. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> like, <clears throat> I want to talk about the serious injury and why you're going to Vienna. <clears throat> yeah. But before that, um, you mentioned brain injury there. Yes. Yeah. Um, like, I've, I've had people on the podcast before where things have went wrong and they've had got brain injuries. Yeah, um, what's that like in the aftermath for you to yeah. experience that? The aftermath of that, um, I suppose I was lucky and unlucky in a way because I had a lot of stuff going on that I couldn't really deal with. That you know, I couldn't sit down and say, "All right, Davy, this is what's after happening. You're paralyzed. You have a brain injury." Um, the outcome of that, the outcome of that, I suppose, in, uh, in a short sentence for that was at the time I was, I could be confused easily. Whereas like this, if I was in a car and at the time I couldn't drive, let's say my dad was driving, which he was, he was bringing me up and down to the NRH hospital. Um, let's say if we were coming up to a junction or something, there was a lot of traffic and the radio was blaring full blast and he was trying to talk to me. It was kind of hard to take it all in at the one time, really, you know. Yeah. Um, but like that, yeah, yeah, you yeah, adapt to that pretty quickly. <coughs> you know, yeah, yeah you realise, okay, well, there's a little too much going on here. I'll either turn off the radio or tell my dad to be quiet or whatever, you know. And that was kind of in, um, in a lot of things in life, really, you know. Um, how are you yeah. now with the after the brain injury? Do you still think you work on hundred percent capacity, or what? Yes, is no, there downfalls I, and what are they? I suppose. No, I, I, I think I do work. I, I'm back to thinking the way I was. The only time that it might catch me out, uh, is if I don't sleep. And that's like everybody, really. If I don't sleep, I'd be, I'd be getting narky. Whereas previous, I would say to myself. Okay, I'm getting narky having a conversation with this person. I go in, smoke a cigarette, or I have a walk for a minute or so, you know. Whereas now you'd be kind of, you'd be just narky, you'd be kind of, you know, ratty a bit, I suppose. Um, that was about the height of how it affected me that I had seen. 
Now I did at the time um, I had to move back home again to try and to try and adjust to life with my injuries. My mom and dad were there, and of course my mom was able to cook for me and whatever, and you know they were able to mind me. And I did ask them um, quite a few times, had they seen any difference or had they seen any improvements and over and over again. And they had said similar to what I, I had just said, as if there was a lot going on and stuff. And, you know, the last time I think I, I, I had asked them that was been six to eight months ago. And uh, the answer I got back, I was pretty pleased that, no, you seem to be back to yourself, really, you know. Yeah, that must be fantastic to hear. Yeah, it certainly is. Yeah, it is, of course. Yeah. You know, because course. people close to you will be the ones that will tell you the truth. Yeah. That say, no, yeah. man, listen, you're, you're, you're looking into space every five seconds. You're not, you know, for them to be able to say, yes. everything's going I, well. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I know that. Um, yeah. Certainly. And uh, the reason why I, I suppose I like to talk about it is because... In my opinion, there's a stigma attached to having a brain injury in Ireland. Now, I don't know what, what it's like in the rest of the world, but there, I, I find there is a stigma attached to it, really, you know. And there shouldn't be, because the likes of us, you know, everyone knows, I, at least everyone knows someone who's had a stroke or whatever, and a stroke is a brain injury as well. So, you know, would they look at that differently? I don't think so. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I get you, yeah. It's like... Uh... You've had a stroke, so you have a brain injury. You mightn't be working on 100% capacity at the moment, but you may get better. We'd accept that. But you're in a crash, and now you got a brain injury. Yeah. There's a bit of a stigma on that. No, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. I hear what yeah. you're saying, yeah. yeah. You're you're not the first person on the podcast to say that, by the way. So it's obviously a thing that a lot of people have experienced. Yeah, yeah. But just just, just on that, I, I, I can remember over... But I'm battling, I suppose, or not battling, but trying to organize this arm or this surgery. <clears throat> this arm. But I remember at the start, I was, I was, I was telling people, you know, this is what I had planned to do, and this is what I hope to do. And they were probably saying to themselves, "Yeah, Jesus, this lad is all about robotic arms now. You got a right bang in the head, this man, you know, <laughs> you know." And then, and then, and then, on top of that, when uh, I come to this in a minute, but um, when I done the swim, I done the swim uh, for. To, Athlone Tobacco Club. It was a char- It was a fundraising event, and um, I had said it to to a few friends of mine that I was going to try and do it because I had done it about 15, 16 years ago. Didn't do it all. I done near enough at all, and uh, I was young enough at that time. But when I mentioned it this time, when I mentioned when I said it to them this time, they were kind of having a joke saying she'd only be swimming around in circles, really. I proved them wrong pretty quickly. Pretty, you fucking pretty... need that fun and sarcasm with yeah. and friends. So one hundred percent. That's um yeah. And look, if you said it to me, I might have said the same thing. Another kind of yeah, of course, of course. But look, it's better to laugh than cry, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, like obviously, look, you've been through the middle. Like there's there's people that know you very well. Um, you're a very popular guy in the Midlands and at Lone, liked by loads. There's people that kind of are acquaintance, and there's people that's hearing this for the first time. And obviously, you've been through an absolute fucking nightmare. Um, and it's great to see you smiling and talking and saying things that people were slagging you about. It's um, it just yeah. a great attitude. But um, the main injury very soon in early October, you're going to Vienna. So yeah. <clears throat> this is something that's all too common on this podcast as well, where people have to go outside of Ireland to get procedures done. Um, it's a pet peeve of mine. It drives me fucking daft that 
an Irish man or woman can't get a procedure in Ireland they have to go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, but it is good that somewhere can do it. Don't get me wrong. <clears throat> yeah. So just tell us why you're going, why you're going, what you need to get done, how long it's going to take and stuff like that. Okay. <laughs> right. Uh, just before that, I think I, I would need to say this to you. So basically, after the crash, um, after the crash, once I come out of Tullamore, it was pretty obvious that my arm was paralyzed, the whole lot of it, basically. So um, I, they sent me, for, yeah, sorry, I've had a nerve transfer already from the left pectoral muscle, which is this here. So I kind of sacrificed this to see could we get the bicep working. And the bicep then would give me this movement here, basically. And then to let it back down, you would kind of, it's like, a, it's, yeah, you learn how to do it by gravity. It's letting it down in stages, basically. Okay. So I, I've, I've had that. So I gave up this muscle. And that, that actually worked pretty well. Um, I can show you if, if you'd like to see it. Yeah. Um, but basically, the bicep is just this one muscle here. So because of that, I can lift an arm there like that. Okay. Now, um, but you have no power from from there down, is that right? No, from there down on the but the tricep as well. They're all gone as well. Okay. okay. Yeah. So if I had if I had the tricep, I wouldn't have to worry about uh, letting gravity or doing the gravity thing. But um, I I suppose uh, an interesting thing about that is um, it worked, and I have feeling there. But the only thing is, when I touch my bicep, my arm there on my bicep i don't feel it there i feel it right there on my chest because they've used that nerve for that oh, muscle basically yeah yeah and uh it's it's quite um it's not straight it was strange at the start like when i uh when i yawn when i yawn my arm starts to move really because i'm basically flexing this muscle you know which is now the bicep basically so um yeah so that 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 there gave me some sort of movement here now um after that, so okay, we can move. We can move this. So what else can we do? Says my consultant. So, um, they want to do. They want to take before the amputation. They want to take a, a gracialis gracialis muscle out of my leg, and basically they will in. They will put that into the just just below the elbow into my forearm, basically, and then they will connect that nerve or that, they will connect that muscle with a nerve to either my shoulder. Or to my the diaphragm uh, underneath my lungs, um, I'd be hoping to be the shoulder because I think the lungs are after stuff because you know with this muscle I can feel it in the mornings. But anyways, whatever works. So yes, they will. Uh, they will put a muscle there, and then they will connect it. I will come home then. I let that heal as such, and then I'll be back up to the matter. And they're going to do two more surgeries up there. Uh, before I tell you that, the reason why this muscle is there is this muscle is going to be the speaker for this arm. This is going to control this arm, basically. So, um, yeah, when I come back from there and go up to the Matter Hospital, they're going to do two surgeries up there. One is the amputation. They might do them at the same time, probably will. The, the amputation is just below the elbow and, and below that muscle, obviously, when, whenever that's in, uh, which will be soon. And then the other one is one called uh, derotational osteotomy. It's basically when, so as I was showing you there, when I flex my arm, it's rubbing off my stomach, which is kind of no use to me if there is a, a hand there, a working arm or working prosthetic or whatever. So what they're going to do is they're going to, they're going to, I suppose they're going to amputate it 
twice really, where they're going to cut the bone up here, the humerus bone, and they're going to turn the humerus bone out. Yeah. So when I flex that hand, it's out in front of me, basically. Okay. So, um, yeah. I had um, Nikki Bradley, I believe, was your second name on the podcast before, and she got that done for her hip the first same thing. Really? Okay. Yeah, she, she, uh, she, she, it's a rotary plasty, I think it's called. She, she yes. got her bone taken out and turned the other way because that's yeah. where the muscle will be used. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, she, she's, I was talking to her, I think, a couple of days before she went for the surgery. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and she'd done a half marathon um, last week. Fair oh, bad. no, she'd done the 5K, I believe, last week. So she's, as, like herself, as tough as nails. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> can I just clarify something there? So, yeah. To get this stuff done in Dublin, the amputation and etc., that can't be done until you go to Vienna first and get the original operation done. Then they can do it when you come back. Is that right? Yeah. Well, you see, <coughs> yeah, because if and I had my consultant had told me, he says, if they do amputate below the elbow, they're more than likely not going to leave this space for this muscle to go into. Okay. That was yeah. the problem, basically. Um. And then after that, I think I'm sure they're working it now as okay, let's do the muscle, the muscle and nerve transfer first. If that doesn't work, at least his arm is still there, you know, that kind of okay. way. Uh, if it does work, then we can carry on with the other surgeries, basically. Yeah, they're kind of they're taking One every the, precaution and step possible to make yeah, sure that they don't do something again, yeah. which yeah. is the right thing to do, but it's great to hear that that yeah they, they are doing that so but so when you come back from vienna and you go and get all of that done that's going to be a big adjustment as well um with the prosthetic is 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 there a and this might be a stupid question tell me if there is but um is there like a timeline on that of when it say everything goes the way you hope it might go um your recovery time and everything else when do you think you would have no, that's that is a question. I'm not sure. I'm 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 hoping. Okay, so I'll be back. Uh, let's say at the end of October. I am for the from the muscle and nerve transfer. I should be up in the matter three to four weeks later. He's going to check my wounds, check the wounds, check the dressings and everything else. Okay. Yeah, he, he should give me a date for uh, for the amputation and the derotational thingy. And um, once I. I would like to have that before Christmas, but I don't know if that's possible. You know, of course, the doctors will know better. But after that, say, let's say if I have the 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 amputation and the derotational the osteotomy in less of January, I have to wait. You see, the thing about prosthetics, uh, to my knowledge, is that I have to wait for the arm to shrink because there's no there's no point to make up a mold for an arm in June it's still going to shrink like you know yeah. now the only thing on my side uh, for that is this is over three years now so the arm has uh, atrophied already which has gone tin already the arm has yeah. got a tin now I don't know I, I wouldn't know what it's going to be like I presume it'll help in somewhere really Um. so yeah and also on that um because this arm, like, the reason why I was amputated this in the first place was because, like, I could be standing beside the radiator there and I'd get blisters in the end of my fingers and, of course, I wouldn't feel it. And then it would take months for them to heal, even though they were just small. Normal, like, it would take four or five days on, on your good hand, basically. So after the, after the amputation and stuff, I don't know how long it's going to take because the arm is practically dead anyway. It's barred in two muscles. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure how long it's mm -hmm. going to take for it to... Uh, 
to shrink to, you know, so it's suitable for to start making a prosthetic, basically. Would you be um? Would you be nervous or not nervous? You're, uh, what's the word? Apprehensive about going over to Vienna and then coming back into procedures, or are you are you pushing them on and as much as you could possibly be looking forward to just getting the ball rolling and, and getting you to be the best version of the body of yourself that you can have? Or is there yeah. nerves there? No, I'm uh, I I'm I'm ready for it. I'm definitely ready for it. Because Mark, I was even if, if I was cooking in the kitchen behind me or if I was down in my own garage doing a bit of welding or cutting or whatever, and if I, sometimes I I'd have burnt my hand on the at the oven door or whatever, and it was and like that it would take forever to heal, you know. And I was I won't say worried, but I had it in my hand. Okay, by the way, do get sepsis or so here, or so other which will be coming off. And at that time, if that happens, then it it might come off to the point where, um, before a prosthetic or before a muscle transfer, which leaving it leave me armless practically, you know. Yeah. So uh, no, I am. Um, I I'm I'm definitely ready for it. I was ready for it this time last year for sure, definitely. You know, it's something for me. It's something to look forward to. You know, um, the reason being looking forward to um, it's the little things that people forget about. It's like buttering a slice of bread or peeling a potato, you tying a shoelace or stuff like that. You know, straight straight away when straight away when 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 it registered in my head that okay now you've only one arm. The first thing you think about is what am I going to do with a job for for a job? You know, so yeah. that's that's the first thing. You know, but it's yeah. it's the little things after like, like trying to change uh, trying to change a duvet cover is like you know, <laughs> it's tough. It's tough well, to even hard. find that hard. That's yeah, one of the hardest things in the world. I know. Um, <clears throat> you know, so it's obviously not nice what happened to you. It's, you you have loads of stuff happening. You're in a bit of a situation, but your attitude to it. Is fucking unreal, you know. It's um, I think it'd be very inspirational to other people, and I know that's not why you're on here to be an inspiration to anyone. You're just telling your story. Um, yeah. I think it will be an inspiration to an awful lot of people because, you know, there'll be an awful lot of people that have an awful lot less happen to them that will go south very quick. Yeah, um, yeah. Be as, as tough as old boots, as they say. Um, and then there's all the things that you never thought of, like the shoelace and the this, or even changing a light bulb or something you need two hands for that like you're you're probably coming across things every day saying oh for fuck's sake i can't do this now i can't do this now stuff mundane stuff you would have never thought about that perhaps i might take for granted you know yeah like, that's all of that I, I i certainly do like it it's you know <clears throat> dressing drying after the shower trying to hang clothes in the laundry on a, on a, on a clothesline is a complete disaster all day preparing food um you know stuff like that but i uh like the good thing about the diving that in, in my background was diving was kind of how to do things differently, you know, doing it underwater, whether it be welding or concrete or whatever. So it kind of gave me, well, a challenge, I suppose, of anything really. And and, and saying that, like my, my own back garden, like I've laid Aztec patio slabs and everything with the one arm, and I've done quite a bit of one arm. I've actually, I, I it was like when. When I when I finished with all the hospitals, I was in the NRH as well. When I finished with all those, I was nearly like I, I was kind of trying to prove to myself, basically, you know, like still could do stuff really, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and like that, in in my own garage, it was adapting how to use tools safely, like an angle grinder or a drill and stuff like you know. You wouldn't think when you're holding the drill, like if the if you're cutting the steel and 
the bit bites, the, the drill normally kicks like, you know, you don't want to break your other hand, basically, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Stuff you know? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but uh, I, I, I think your attitude is super. Um, look, you're going to be in it soon enough. Um, we have a GoFundMe, the link is in the description. I already mentioned it in the intro. Um, I would ask anyone who wants to help to go down and make a donation to the GoFundMe. It genuinely, nothing's too small. Anything at all will help. Um, and thank you to anyone who has done that already. But it would be fantastic if this week, perhaps you share the GoFundMe, maybe share this conversation between the two of us and let others kind of know they have a story. And I suppose, you know, just the most, the more money we can make from the GoFundMe, the better, because there's a lot of stuff you have to cough up yourself. And yeah, the old adage, money doesn't grow on trees. Um, I will also leave the link to your Facebook page. Um, I know you probably don't want people watching on Facebook the whole time, but if you go down and have a look, it might just show you like when he's going and when he's coming back and you might be able to perhaps follow his story and you never know when in the future you might need some help again. It's much better to be able to get help when you have an army of people following what, what you're doing in your journey, you know? So I'll, I'll, I'll leave those two options in uh, or those two links in the description. Um, I'll say help out if you can. <clears throat> I said, this man, look, thanks for coming on the podcast. You shared an awful lot there today. It was... um. I don't know if that was me. I I think I break to be honest, but um, you know. Yeah, yeah. Good job, you yeah. are who you are, and you have the attitude. And it was interesting. Where I I nearly got goosebumps when you said that the diving makes you think different. And I'm not one for faith or anything like that, probably. But it's 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 like you're nearly training for it, you know. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, kind of in the way. But just back back to what you were saying there, there, there. I mean, the whereas if other people were looking at it and kind of getting the information off of and such, I've had that already from the GoFundMe. I've had um, uh, uh, an, an American couple uh, send me an email. Um, her husband, I think, had a stroke and he's lost the use of his arm. So they were following this uh, to seek <clears throat> something, you know, with some plan for a stroke, really. And I presume it would work in a similar way, really, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So look, this is your if you're going in the next little while over to Fianna. All I can say is I, I wish you luck. Um I hope everything goes well. Um I'll be following you anyway to make sure everything goes okay and see how you're getting on and stuff like that. And uh yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, yeah. Cheers, Mark. Cheers. Um I have a couple of other things here I um I would like to say and about the yeah. arm and stuff. And I, I was in the NR, yeah, so I was three months in the in Tullamore Hospital, anyways, and um, I left there in August. Then, um, then I went to the Matter Hospital for the first nerve transfer. That was another five and a half hour surgery. Uh, I spent three months up in the DNRH, the 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 rehab hospital up in Dunleary. Then, um, and I was back and forth to the Matter for more nerve transfer surgeries. Now the second one couldn't. Uh, the second one they opened me and they looked and there was way too much damage there was a double level nerve, nerve injury so it was basically plucked out here and damaged further on down as well right. so um yeah um and then i had uh, at the time well that's the the, 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 the yeah to go back there yeah uh them surgery that one couldn't be done that was a 12 hour surgery as well or 11 and a half hours um, I had two endoscopies as well due to the throat. Remember, I was saying that, that yeah. I broke the neck, and so the bones they thought the bones had healed off a little bit, had healed, but they were like out of place a little bit. 
And so I had two two um, endoscopies. I had one done in the NRH and I had one down done in the Matter Hospital as well. And uh, I I was worried about it myself just with the look that I was in it, the look I was having really. I said, oh, you know, I was overthinking, I suppose, and everything else. But uh, no, the uh, after the last one in the Matter, they had, they had put my mind at ease that it was just because the bones had basically healed a little bit off, basically. So, um, yeah, uh, I left there the NRH 31st of January. Um, uh, and then we were into lockdown here in Ireland. So I couldn't get into a physio. <laughs> so after all these surgeries and everything else, I couldn't get into a physio. So I had to fly to Malta to get physio. And I did. And when I, when I did, within 15 minutes of being with a physio over here, he had my bicep moving. And uh, it was it was a moment for me. It was definitely a moment. 100 you know. Um, also after that, then I came home. And I was I had to be reassessed uh, by the Irish Wheelchair Association for driving again, of course, because I it was always in my head that I needed my car to pick up my little my daughter and everything else, everything, you know. So I was like, without the car, and kind of in a bit of bother here, really, you know. Uh, I was living back at home at the time with my parents like that. I was readjusting to life really with, with the injuries. Um, I was with Acquired Brain Injury Ireland. They were a great help. Um, the senior psychologist there, he was absolutely really, really good for me. He was, um, I have to thank him, certainly. Uh, yeah, so I was counselling, physiotherapy, occupational therapist to provide equipment, psychologists, GPs. Uh, then I went back to the Matter Hospital uh, last year. It's second of June last year. I went back to the Matter Hospital to talk about the next stages. What else can we do, basically? You know, this arm. Um, so that that led to the talk about the nerve transfer, the amputation, and the derotation and osteotomy. Uh, this then led to the video meetings with this doctor in Vienna, and his name is uh, Doctor. Uh, Dr. Asman, Professor Asman. Now, uh, he, he specializes in, in uh, the TMR surgery. TMR surgery is targeted muscle re innervation So like I was saying, this, this muscle is going to be a speaker for this arm, basically, to control this arm. Um, but this guy, um, uh, Professor Asman, he actually has a TED Talks video. And it's really, really good and explains it a lot better than I can, basically. Um, if you go onto YouTube and type in TED Talks TEDx Vienna or type in Professor Asman A S Z M A N N, it'll come up, and it's only a twelve minute. I'll actually video. leave the link for that in the description of this video as well. If people want to yeah, see. yeah. He um he has um he he has a younger man on it. I think he's 24, 25, and uh, he explains it pretty well actually. Um yeah. So I I, I was I was talking <clears> to him <throat> and um, I spoke with him quite quite a few times actually. Um, a nice man. I'm looking forward to going over and meeting him over there. Um, yeah, after that, um, medication I was on, I was on everything from Oxynorm to Oxycontin, Alexia, Pregabalin, Lyricab, Beneflex, and Fortisips to try and bring me back up. They work, but all the other medication, the Oxynorm, Oxycontin, they, didn't, they never touched the spinal cord injury at all. Never, didn't do a thing, you know. The deal at the start in the NRH, the deal, all right, they brought it, let's say, from a level out of 10, from an 8, they might bring it down to a 6. Not for long enough, 20 minutes or so, and I'll be back up, you know. And um, no matter what tablet I tried, um, whether were, there were nerve relaxing tablets or whatever, not, not marked at all. But you're in constant pain then? 
all the time, all the time. Yeah, actually, last seven. Definitely, last night I slept for about an hour and a half. Uh, the reason being because I knew I had to be up early. I wanted to talk, basically, you know. But not, 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 not only that. That nerve pain, nerve pain, uh, definitely takes its toll at nighttime. Why I don't know, but it does. It's, it's um, nighttime is, you know, it's, it's, a, it's um, to describe the pain really, it's um, <laughs> it's like someone. I, the, the, the best of it would be someone just sticking. A, a sore down through your arm and then releasing it as slow as possible really you know yeah. and that might come for a minute and a half and then die then for about two or three minutes and then back into it again you know it would be fucking impossible to go sleep really no. you know, and I, know like, yeah, I know get eight know. hours good night's sleep what's um when when all these operations are completed does that stop the pain then it should to a point uh, meaning that um these prosthetics, these this type of, of a prosthetic is supposed to stop phantom pain because if you have a robotic hand and it's moving, it's telling your brain that it's still there, your arm is still there, so it's supposed to help with the with the, the, the prosthetic pain. Um, after that, I do know after the last nerve transfer surgery, I was in extreme pain. My poor mom and dad, um. They've, uh, they, they had a tough time trying to deal with me, you know, and I was like that. No painkillers would kill, would work or, or anything else, you know. And I, I can actually remember being in, being in Tullamore Hospital. And the only thing that would semi-help for me is, like, I can have visitors come in, like four or five people, the lads they used to work with, come in to visit me. <clears throat> and I'd be talking like we are now. Next minute, I'd have to get up and go for a walk. i walk up the corridor and back down. And they'd be saying, What's wrong with Tavy? You know, and it's 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 if I got up and moved, it kind of helped. And also, I've noticed um, in myself when that like a spasm, I suppose, if that's what you want to call it, comes on, I define my by bending my head down and taking the pressure off here, kind of in here. That kind of helps. Now, it doesn't look that way. It kind of probably looks a bit different if I'm sat there, kind of like that, really all the yeah. time. You know, but it does help. It does help. You know. Um, so yeah, after I suppose at the time with all that pain, I had a lot going on as the injuries had all them going on the one go. So I'm hoping that this muscle and nerve transfer the next time won't be as bad. Right. And also, it's practically going into a dead arm minus the bicep here already that's working, you know. So I'm hoping it shouldn't be as bad. And the amputation and the derotational osteotomy, I am. Um, I shouldn't feel that too much because the arm is dead anyways, you know. So I'm hoping. <laughs> I'm hoping yeah. anyway. <laughs> you're uh you're and I suppose look rightly so, but you're 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 very, very positive. But far far away can you be? You know that's it. That's it. Like that's essentially it. you've already been to hell and now you're trying to claw your way back out bit by bit by bit, and you're doing it with a fucking super attitude, man. I have to say it's um, yeah. I really can't say if the shoe was on my foot that I'd be doing the same thing. I'd probably be whinging like a child, I'd say, you know. Well, you kind of think that how to in that spot, don't you, you know? <laughs> and then, like, I... I have no I, choice I, then, I suppose. Yeah, and, you just... know, and, and, and behind it all, like, my, she's nearly six now, my daughter, like, and just to think of her would give you, would drive you. Of course it would, you know, it would drive... 100%. Drive anybody, you know. Yeah. Well, then... 
Yeah, so um, after that then, yeah, so I was, yeah, so Dr. Osmond and everything else, and that was June of last year. So like that, as if I was trying to prove a point myself, uh, the Savaco Club or the Athlone Savaco Club, they were doing a fundraising swim. It was from Hudson Bay down to the Athlone Castle, actually. Um, it was, I think it was over 10 kilometers, 10, around 10 kilometers. And uh, quite a few people did it, done the lot as well, and fair play to them. No, I didn't do the lot of it. I had tried to think and I would, but then when I got into the water and started training, I said, okay, hang on a minute here. You know, I'm not going to do all of this, but I, I, I give a go. I give a bit of it a go, and I did. I done the last two kilometers, and um, that was very good. And I had, uh, like, immense support there. I had the boats beside me all the time with good, strong lads if anything did happen, you know. Um, I done that swim to to boost myself really, and to give to give anyone else who was having a fucking tough time really, you know, to say, look, if that thinker can do it, there, you know, maybe I can do something, you know. Um, yeah, uh, I suppose. Um, I'd say the adrenaline must have been coursing through your veins when you're doing that swim. To be honest, Mark, the hardest part about that swim for me, and I, I can remember saying it to the lads in the Sabaka Club that were they were they were kind of my support there. I can remember they were asking me, they said, David, how are you getting on? I says, I said, the swim is no problem. I says, trying to breathe out a snorkel for that length of time because um when when I had two arms, I could never really get the timing right to begin with, you know, this kind of stuff. So I just used a snorkel for this time and um that was more so the hardest part, trying to trying to bring out a snorkel. And I still do a bit of free diving and stuff. I have a couple of videos there on 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 Facebook there of myself floating around with the one arm. You know, I could swim for a minute and a half underwater and stuff, and and still I could still swim as good as with the two hands. And even now, even as I, I do watch the swim swim going to the moor quite a bit, and. Uh, the lifeguard just be looking at me coming in. He's, you know, you can see him kind of, he's, you know, he's kind of like this, like, you know. And the same, the same actually in the, the, the NRH, they have a swimming pool up there and it's a, it's a heated swimming pool actually, which is actually very good for pain as well. And then um, <clears throat> I was back when, when I got there, I um, I was back then to get into the swimming pool because I knew I was, you know, I I, I felt at home in, in the water. But anyways, um, I had to, I had to, so I had to try and convince them that I, I was okay, you know. So I was there with the one arm. And anyways, when they did let me in, there were of course there was two lifeguards and they were kind of they were they were just around me basically, but outside the water. And uh, first thing I done was I just took, took a deep breath and done two lengths underwater in one breath, came back up and they just says, uh, please don't do that again. He says, You know, you're it's a bit of a hard failure, you know. But they knew I could swim and I was happy I could swim and everything else. Um so yeah, uh like that when I when when I went to Malta for the physio and stuff, of course it was it was warm over there, July, August, or yeah, uh, August. It was pretty warm there, so it was good for me to be swimming in the sea as well, you know. It was good for the exercise, not for the arm, but more so. For all the muscles on your back and on your chest and whatever that weren't moving because you're cramped up in a sling or whatever, you know. Um, yeah. Um, do, 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 do. I suppose, without sounding like a cliche, uh, I did want to do this podcast actually to create awareness for other amputees, for other people who are amputee, who you know, like, and there is children who are who are amputated, whether it be a leg or an arm or whatever. To make it more socially acceptable for for amputees or people with with 
with uh, prosthetics. Some people are born with it. There's a name on it, they're born with just one limb. Or trauma or from other illnesses, whether it be a cancer or whatever, you know. Um, also, when the, when this robotic prosthetic, if you want to call it that, or bionic prosthetic, whichever way, is fit, um, I would like to create awareness by visiting local schools and educating children on life with a prosthetic and what it's like without a limb, you know, to try and make that more accessible, really. That's a great idea. Yeah, you know. I actually met a guy. Um, I got that idea, actually. I was... I really, really like that idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very good. And it came from a lad. His name is... I'm sure he wouldn't mind me mentioning. His name is Stephen Lowry. He's from the north. Um, he was a DJ in a nightclub in the late 80s, I think. And the nightclub was bombed and he lost his arm. He lost it just below the elbows to where I'm going to lose mine, basically. Um. And I went up to Capital Hospital to meet him. There was like a new type of arm out, one that was supposed to be stronger. I can do more things like, and it's looking like you can. But um, I was speaking to him up there and he was a real gentleman, you know, a real, real nice lad. And he was showing me what he can and can't do with the hand. And, you know, even to the point where he could pick up a pin and rotate the hand this way and that way. And, you know, the, oh. the, the thumb flexes and everything on it like pretty impressive like like that he he uh, Stephen still has all his nerves left there because it was only the arm not only the arm but the nerves were there really you know of course that was serious and I, I would imagine what that would have been like back in the 80s to try and you know that would have been a tough one the technology really. has come on an awful long way yeah. since that yeah, certainly, certainly, you know. But it was I, I was talking to Stephen about it, and I, I, I was mentioning my own daughter because I had it in my own head that was like, <coughs> I, I was kind of, you know, whatever about myself, but I, I was more so afraid to have my daughter looking at myself with only one arm, you know. That, that, that was in my head quite a bit, and it played, it played in my mind quite a bit, really. So that you didn't want her to see what yeah. you perceived as you not being the full version of yourself 100% like basically, that yeah basically basically that was in my head um quite a bit actually and i had to talk to uh, the psychologist about it and uh he was pretty 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 good he gave me really good information but another thing on that i was here one day and then um I, I had gone over to pick up my daughter and bring her over to me here and she wants to do my makeup as little girls do, you know. She wants to put <laughs> lipstick all over me. God, yeah, I'm sure funny. it was her idea, all right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyways, she was painting me nails. And she was, of course, done this hand. <clears throat> all different colours, of course. And then it came to this hand. And this hand, then the baby finger is gone there. You don't even see it there. So she was started the tub and she was going down. And then she came to the baby finger. Now, I have never said it or I've never... I haven't hidden the leader, you know. And she, she, she came to the finger, and is she, she kind of, she looked up and she says, "Daddy, where's your baby finger?" And I says, "Oh, that's, <clears throat> I lost that in the motorbike crash, or because of the motorbike crash." And she says, "Not to worry," she says, "We paint the nail on, make it look like there's a nail there." And that for me, that was a, that was a key moment for me to stop worrying about what my daughter had thought about me. Because they're, they're they're very adaptive children, anyways. You know, she, she literally just showed you what you thought. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know, let's get a nail on here now. I'm doing ten fingers, no matter whether you like it or not. <laughs> yeah, That's it, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, you know, That's you know, cool, man. Because, just, uh, yeah. that'll warm your heart to hear that. You know. Yeah, you know, because there was times there where there was there was many a time where 
two, three, four o'clock in the morning. I, I, I would wake up in, in my own bedroom, turn on the light, and I would I would sit at the end of the bed and I would try to imagine myself without an arm, you know, and then I would I, I would be in my head projecting that into my daughter's head and then projecting it back to myself because I was only poisoning myself really to be honest, you know. So I was quite worried about that. That's so interesting. That's a, that that's the side of I've, I've, I've never heard anybody saying that in my life before. That's very, yeah. very interesting. Yeah, you've been waking up in cold sweats, picturing yourself without it, and then projecting what she would think, and then yeah. Yeah. deciding that yourself, putting it back into yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's deep now. Yeah, yeah. And to, to be honest, that, like, I at the time, that was, um, that was my main worry, to be honest, at the start. I wasn't worried about the amputation because I was I was sick of it because I was burning it everywhere, you know, getting blisters or cooking, doing whatever with it. I was looking forward to getting, to getting rid of it until this came into my head, you know. Yeah. You know, and she only, she's young. She only just started school there last Friday out in Coosin and Athlone there. So, you know, I, I, and then of course it started flooding into my head with the other kids saying, your daddy is only one arm or blah, 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 and everything else. You know, this, this kind of carry on, you know. So I was, I was more so overthinking it, you know. But now, now, Mark, you can, you can buy Barbie dolls with amputated arms and they can put on these robotic things and everything. So I'm going to, before, before I go over here or before the amputation, I'm going to have to, uh, hunt the internet and see, see, can I find one and try and bring it in that way, really, you know. Yeah, it's just so, so interesting. It's, um, like I, I you know, amputations and stuff like that. I mean, like that happens sometimes in life, and there shouldn't be a stigma about it. People shouldn't be worried about it. I agree with you, by the way, that children are, they adapt very quickly and that, yeah. that they can, you know, the. No matter what the situation is, <clears throat> if you're told at a young age, it's fine. They'll accept it and move on. But um, <clears throat> I just, I, I, I greatly ad, ad, admire people who have had something happen and then have to go and get an amputation and then deal with it, a certain, like the way you're dealing with it. Yeah. It's um, like I, I, I hope you know how many people that will inspire. Like it's, it's like look. You're in a crash. That's terrible. You're injured. That's also terrible. And everything that's happened is terrible. But your attitude is not. That's the thing that I'll be taking away from this conversation. Yeah. Is your attitude? Yeah. Is is your your mentality? Is the way you think about stuff? It's like this. Um, never say die attitude. And I know you said earlier that, like, you don't really have any other choice. But you do. You could you could crumble. You know. And you you never have. Or yeah. At least or not, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's that's that's um to, to for me and I think exactly like that. But to look back at and think like that, it's you're just looking from the outside. Like back at the time, it was. I'm not going to say hit and miss, but it was it was it was a lot going on, and there were times I wanted to give up, you know. And I had, had like had it all happen at the one time I was trying to deal with the arm. The paralysis. I was trying to deal with malls. Like going to physio. I was. I was going from the hospital to court to try and get access to my daughter at the time. Um. So I had it all in the one go. And there was times here. In actual fact, um, there was a time here because I had so many tablets that didn't work, and they were building up and up and up in the drawer. 
And I was just here one day and I said, you know what, the best thing for me to do with all these tablets is because they don't work, I don't use them, it's just to go down and fucking bin the whole lot because, you know, I didn't want to be getting in the bad form and saying coming in and getting in a rush or getting depressed, which I was depressed, of course. Why wouldn't you be depressed, really, you know? Mm. So I took all that stuff away from me and um, just think, uh, I wouldn't say I was going to do anything like that, but it was always, it may have been a thought in the back of my head, really, you know, mm. that, that, that kind of a thing. So, um, yeah, and like that, you know, I could be in good form here today. Okay, I didn't sleep last night. Let's say tonight, I'm in crazy pain tonight. And I wake up in the morning, could be a completely different person tomorrow. You know, yeah. being narky. And, and you might go to sleep for a while after this. Normally talking to me sends people into a fucking coma <laughs> for about four hours. <laughs> it's, um, yeah. That's such a fucking crazy story, man. You know, it yeah. really is. Um, I know. Yeah. Well, know, they, uh... I, I, is there anything else you'd like to say before we go? Or? Yeah, yeah, there is. Um, the, the National Rehabilitation Hospital, I was in it just before. Now, I haven't been in a new place. I, I, I could be in it after this, after this application and everything else, but I was in the old building. Now, well, it was an old building, it didn't matter. It was still very good. Um, the NRH, okay. Basically, up there, I was dealing with uh, uh, occupational therapy, basically. Uh, speech and language therapist for the for the the swallowing and everything else. Uh, psychologist, I had a social worker, I had a physio, the swimming pool. Uh, I had a climbing wall actually. I have a picture somewhere there on Facebook of a climbing wall. And when I asked to do it, of course, there's a lad with one arm wants to climb this thirty meter high climbing wall. You know, and they had three different types. They had one that was like that, and I done that straight away. No bother at all. The second one then was a complete vertigo. The first time I tried that, I fell from about two meters, I did. And the third time I tried it, I did get to the very top of it, actually. And uh, my picture, the, there is a picture there on Facebook somewhere of it, and you can see I'm actually in the sling and climbing. Now, I am, of course, they are supporting me with the rope, but they don't help you. The rope is only there in case you fall, so they can yeah. break your fall, basically. But uh, I was proud to be at the top of that climbing wall with one hand, basically. You know, it kind of Gave me a bit of a boost, really. And the, the, the gym up there was was really good as well. And it was nice for me to go in. Um, I, I was never really a man for a gym. Um, not that I didn't have time for it. I was just constantly busy with work at the time and everything else. But, uh, you know, the likes of a rowing machine and stuff there kind of gave me, okay, I can still do this with one hand, this kind of shit, really. Um, the food up there, my gosh, second to none. It was really, really good. Wow. It was, you know, it, it was it was like eat, eating in a restaurant twice a day, basically. Um, the, yeah, a dietitian. And I was with a dietitian, of course, obviously, because I went down to six and a half stone. I think when I left there, I was eight and a half. And I'm the, my heaviest now I've ever been. I'm just under 13 stone. I've never been that heavy in my life at all, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, the daily struggles, I think I've mentioned a few of them there. Um, like I was saying, dressing, trying to dry dry yourself after a shower with one hand is a bit laundry, preparing food, butter and bread, peeling the potato, open the jar or a can or stuff. Now I know you can get these electric stuff from the electric can openers and stuff, and they do help. Uh changing bed sheets, uh tying the shoelace, uh 
had to, yeah, I've had to adapt to live gardening, uh, but I still do it. Only different, like I was saying with the diving, you just learn how to do it differently, basically. I've often sat here and I'd be looking at something, I would say, how the hell am I going to lift that now, you know? And I'd be ignorant and stubborn. I wouldn't go and ask the neighbour and the woodchips would come in straight away and I'd be like, how the hell am I going to do that now? And I would come up with some sort of an idea, whether I'd be using a rope or a different type of a knot or I'd move stuff where I've cut up like um, um a round stick, you know, like a, like, like a fencing stick and then just use that as rollers, cut it up into maybe what, 200 mil apart and just use that thing as rollers to move something. Um. Yeah, learn like, like I was saying, learn how to use tools safely, like the angry grinder. I I I've always been a person that I can't sit and watch the television. I have one there and I I'd say it's my, my own man bought it for me there. So they can have the hospital and he's been on three times and it's like God, just I'm not a TV person basically, you know. Uh DJ. I like the DJ actually. Um I'm about twenty over twenty years playing vinyl um and mixing with vinyl because I've one arm. I, I still do it. I, I still, I can still, I can't do, I suppose, my little tricks and stuff that I like, but I can still uh, mix. Speaking of that, actually, um, <coughs> um, a week before I finished up the NRH, um, my dad used to come up because I, I was able to get out with the weekends. They would let me out with the weekends so I could go home and see my daughter and everything else. And um, there was one Friday I was coming home and I said, Dad, I said, there's a shop around the corner there. It's called DJbox.ie. Will you, will you, will, that's the website. It's the name of the shop as well. I said, will you stop in there? I want to see, can I get a MIDI controller? It's like a, a digital turntable, basically, a mixer. And I did. And uh, I was on to a guy called Tony Crisp. He's worked for Midlands Radio 3. He's the show of a Saturday night. In fact, I have a show coming this Saturday night, actually. Um, but uh, at the time, I was only out of the hospital about two or three months. And... He put me on to do a live mix on the on the show as well. So I was pretty, I like, it kept me occupied. So I wasn't sitting here fucking depressed, basically, you know. Mm. And um, I was in, actually in contact with him there last week as well. And uh, I was telling him about the fundraise and stuff and everything else. And uh, he's extremely keen to get me back on again. So I'm on <clears> this <throat> again. Um, I'm not sure what the time you'll have to look. Well, I think Tony's show starts around 10 o'clock to 2 or something like that, I think. So, um. Yeah, and I suppose like that back to the DJ and it um, kept me occupied here. And I wasn't sitting here overthinking like I was with the child in the arm and whatever else, you know. Yeah, so you're still able to do something that you enjoy, maybe not to the level that you want to do, as you mentioned there with your tricks and stuff, but yeah, as a voice, you, you can still do it, you know. Well, look, it's like that. It's it's um, it's doing it differently. And here here's one for you. <laughs> if you if you only had one arm, okay. And you wanted to hammer a nail into a wall. How would you do it? That's a good question. Took me a while to figure it out. Blue tack. The big lump of blue tack on the wall, stick the nail into wherever you want. Well, of and course. Yeah. You know, it's just, just a see, That's the type of things like that. I could have been here for two hours in a dead silence with you, and I wouldn't have thought of that, you know. But yeah. your, your yeah. mind is working on a different level now because you're thinking, okay, well, it seems like I can't do it, but I'm doing it. So now that we've established that, how am I going to do it? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. Like, like I was saying, I have. I've always, I, I've often sat here and I said, how? Am I? And also, I like to do a bit of welding as well. And actually, I was doing. Uh, my my partner's uh, her father. He was looking to do a bit of work in his back gate, and then. Um, I, I, I was always the type of person that if, if I was doing anything, I like to do it by myself. I don't want anyone, you know, without sounding ignorant, just 
gawking at me, basically, that kind of a way, you know. So I, 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 I sat here for, for quite a bit saying, okay, how am I going to do this now one-handedly and everything else? Not, not, not to be ignorant to the other person, but just it's lessons that I'm going to need further on in my life when I am on my own. So I had come up with an idea, actually. I have two really strong magnets down in the shed that, were, that would hold a piece of steel onto another piece of steel well, I, well, I could weld it up and stuff, really, you know, where I couldn't hold, normally I would hold the steel with the, the left hand and weld with the right hand. It's like that, really, you know. You just have to be, uh, what's the word, imaginative. Probably, it's, yeah. It's, probably it's, patient yeah. because yeah. prior to the accident, you'd be able to do it much quicker and you'd just bang, bang, everything we've done in a couple of minutes, whereas now you just think, okay, this is going to take a bit longer and I have to figure out how to do it. Yeah, you see, that's the thing, um, and that's 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 where a lot of a lot of my own stress comes in because, okay, let's say, let's say you get up in the morning, uh, you, you, let's say you have to be in work at nine o'clock, so you know you have to hang out the laundry, make the beds, and make yourself breakfast before you want to work at nine o'clock, right? So you get up at half seven. And you know then you're going to be able to do a quarter nine in work for you, so you're you're automatically thinking in two handed mode. Whereas I'm still that same, I'm still thinking in two-handed mode. So okay, I'll do this, this, this today, and then at six o'clock I'm ready to do something else. Come six o'clock, I'm in a complete, a complete mess, complete stress, roaring, shouting, and cursing. I'm sure the neighbors have heard me and everything else trying to do stuff, you know, because I, I do forget that things take a lot more time now, you know, like that. I'm still in two-handed mode, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ. There's a lot there. It's uh I'd say this is um the least I've talked on any podcast ever. <laughs> ever. But I felt um it was important to like I know you have spoken about it before and done different things, but the fact that you're on the podcast and you you know you're heading off soon enough and it's a big time ahead and hopefully a very positive time. I, I wanted to give you as much time as humanly possible to say the stuff that you wanted to say. And yeah. you've been very open and honest with us here as well. You know, it's not all pie in the sky. You've told us loads of stuff. Um, I hope people go to the GoFundMe and maybe help you out in your travels, you know. Yeah. And it's very hard for one person to go in and sort the whole thing out. But if everyone gives a small little bit, it will help. Um, at yeah. least let that not be one of the worries or stresses you have on top of the ones you already have on a daily basis, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's... um. It's it the 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 go for me is 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 really really helping because it was coming to the point now where I couldn't sleep at night time and thinking about it, okay because I've been at work obviously you know now I, I did work at my local super super rally for a couple of months and I started there I asked to start in there because I was sitting there depressed I didn't want to be sitting there depressed so I needed to get out and it was good because I was out in the local more community meeting people you know um. Uh, just back to what you were saying there, Mark, with the go for me and stuff. I I would like to. Uh, keep that update throughout the surgeries and I, I, I would like to ask yourself um, I would like to do up to you of course um, a podcast maybe in the middle of it after I come back from Vienna and I've healed to the point where I can talk I suppose and not in pain and then maybe do one after that I, you know this time next year I would like to be sitting here with, with all the cans showing you how it works yeah, that'd be cool. I'd I'd be happy to be part of the journey and to bring you on at different stages to see and like obviously you know like it, like it wouldn't have to be a two hour. It could be look where are you now? What's happening and this that and the other. But yeah, the picture in in a year's time 
I could start the podcast like this and play the yeah. first few minutes of this one and then come in with the new one with that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That'd be yeah. crazy. Yeah, I know, you know. To be selfish on the podcast, my three things here today was, number one, I wanted to give you time to say what you wanted to say. Number two, I wanted to mention the GoFundMe and hopefully people see this and donate. Um, as I said, the link to that is in the description. Um, and number three, I wanted people who aren't feeling 100% to maybe be inspired by your story because it is very inspiring. And I know you would never say that in a million years, but I'm saying it and I've talked to enough people to know what is and isn't expiring. And your, your story definitely is. And I think it might help a lot of people who aren't feeling 100% to think, look, if this man is doing it, it's, it's your attitude. It's your fucking yeah. attitude, man. It's just, you know, okay, well, I probably can't do this because I can only use one arm. And then your mind thinks, well, no, well, that's not happening. So I'm going to have to find some way of doing it. Some yeah. way to get it done. Um, and not everybody's like that. I hope you know that. Um, and the more yeah. people that hear your story, as far as I'm concerned, yeah, the better, you know. Yeah, well, that's it. Someone might take something somewhere, basically, you know. Yeah, well, enough people will see you, so you will have someone. You get plenty of people. Yeah, yeah. Um, another thing I would like to say, Mark. Um, uh, I am at the point now, um, where well, I was previous, I suppose, where I'm thinking to myself, okay, yeah, this happened. Now it's time to move on. So I need to. I need to get a job. I need to get work. I need to do whatever. And I'm finding that I, I am struggling to find work because of the arm. Like um, anything that I that I have found, um, I'm without without sounding. I'm kind of overqualified. I don't mean that in the bad way. I would work. I would do anything. I would go and work at McDonald's or work wherever. I had to. Of course, I would. I like work. Um, the the my qualifications. Jeez, I was an offshore. There's another list of qualifications here as well. Uh, no, I was a mixed gas offshore commercial diver, uh, occupational first stage, uh, distinction after distinction first stage. Uh, I, I was a hat technician, uh, which was uh, it's basically life support equipment, so that had to be basically right. Uh, I have a crane operator ticket up to a 20 ton knuckle and boom. Uh, I have a banksman, I have a slinger ticket. Offshore, offshore survival, which is uh, helicopter training, because the helicopter goes down and so on. Uh, I'm working at heights. I have confined space. I have sea survival plus firefighting. I have any amount of tickets there, really, you know. Um, I would like to try and find something that I could maybe use my previous skills, you know. Um, you know, Why like, not if, if anyone's listening to this and thinks... I wouldn't mind having a conversation with you. How about I leave your? It's okay to leave your email in the description. Of course so it is, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, you, yeah. you can, you can even give my phone number if you want. There's no problem. Yeah, no, well, I, I won't leave your phone number in the description, but um, yeah, yeah. Sorry, too many people will see it and will be. What I do is I, I leave your email and then you can choose who you give your yeah. phone number to, and then that's that's uh stops me from getting in trouble, you know, by uh, yeah. leaving your phone number there. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to say that, um, um. A lot of jobs now are kind of their teamwork, and um, for someone, to, let's say, take it on, let's say myself, who was self-employed or whatever. Um, well, diving is teamwork, really, because if you don't, one person doesn't pull his weight, someone might something bad might happen, and someone might lose a life or whatever. 
you know, and um, on the other side of that, then of course you have the offshore, the octave, first aid, and everything else there, and all the distinctions there, and all that kind of carry on. But the hat, the hat technician course will be quite important, not because it's a hat technician, the hat being the big massive hat as it were. It's the fact that that was life support equipment, so you had to be. Uh, you had to exaggerate everything on it, as in your care for it. Exaggerate is the wrong word, I think, but everything had to be 100% above board because it was life support equipment, really, you know. So I would have that in me that something has to be done and it has to be done for a reason and it has to be done right. You've demonstrated that the work that you've done and stuff in the past has an extremely high level of quality control because of the stuff you're working on. Yeah. Yeah, it has to be basically, yeah. you know. Last but not least, uh, I would like to thank uh, everyone who has uh, who has donated and shared it, and some people have been extremely generous, and uh, um, that will never be forgotten. It will really, really help me, you know. Um, I would also like to thank uh, my consultant, Doctor Cronin, in the Matter Hospital. Um, I think um, from what I've read and what I've heard about him off other doctors, I um, I couldn't have found a better doctor. I've I, I really fell into place with this guy, you know. And um, yeah, I would like to thank Sarika Clark actually as well. She's a Sinn Féin TD in Atlongan. She um, she went out of her way to help me and brought my case up in the Oireachtas and everything else at the time. And uh, yeah, she was she was very good. She was she was really good, you know. Um, I have a list of other people, but sure, I'd be here forever thanking everybody. You know, there's, there's a lot of people. Yeah, you don't want to mention too many because then you leave people out. I get it. 100%. Yeah, I but yeah, to I say know. that it takes a village to raise a child, but it also takes a village to help someone that was in an accident like yours with the doctors and the people who I'm sure there's people when you were feeling down sat with you and tried to yeah. calm you down. I'm sure there's times where you needed loads of help. Um, and luckily for you, you, you were, um, self-aware enough to accept the help you know yeah yeah and I, I i think and i've said it on the podcast before and I'm, i think you know getting help is a sign of strength to be honest with you you know and allowing yeah. people to help you um, yeah but uh yeah look man yeah, thanks for coming no, on. I, yeah no problem mark i'd just like to say as well um like that as in, i've been extremely lucky to meet all these people at the correct times and everything else and um I suppose more importantly, my girlfriend, she's a healthcare assistant in Tullamore Hospital. Um, thank God she wasn't there when I was in there, or she probably would never be with me by now. But anyways, she is traveling <laughs> with me. She, she she is traveling with me, and I'm extremely lucky because she is she, you know, she has she's able to do medic or she's able to change to change dressings, deal with wounds and anything that might arise, whether it be on the way back or whatever. You know, so I'm pretty lucky that way, actually. Do you want to give her a shout out? Yeah, yeah, Avril, Avril, uh, Avril O'Connor, she's from Tullamore. Um, I told you she works in the, the, the Tullamore Hospital as well, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd like to thank all the staff over there as well. They they, they put up with me, actually. I was quite a while in there as well. Lovely staff there, too, as well. Yeah. It's great. Uh, it's, 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 uh, you know, there was probably times where you were, early on in the stages and you were saying what will ever happen here who did you ever think it'd come to a time where you'd be able to thank them all and you're heading over to Vienna very soon and I things look like they're going along so it's uh yeah. I'm, I'm very happy for you things are going well long may I continue and, yeah um, yeah when maybe when you're back and everything is fine we'll get you on again and see where are you and what's the story and 
Yeah, I love yarn or two. Then certainly, I, 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 I'd, uh, I'd love to do that and keep you updated. Anyway, for sure, you know. All right. um, cheers, bud. All the best. All right. Thanks very much. Cheers. Right. Thank you.